0: Our first Sunday of the season uh, always feels special. feels special because suddenly you are all here. I get the better view. appreciate it. It's also special because it's the time to think about why are we all here. For myself, uh, soon after I left the, my childhood Catholic home, I became very clear about what I did not believe. When I discovered the Ethical Society, ethical culture presented me with a, a new question, an obvious question, but one that did not con- never thought of before. If you don't believe your childhood religion, what do you believe? How does the world work? So at the first platform, we try to focus on the theme of why are we here? What attracts us? What's the message and mission? That we share when I look at our program that has the statement of purpose it's clear that part of our mission is about community going through life together and it's certainly about doing our part to create a more just and loving world but the heart of it is our very first statement it's about eliciting the best specifically it's about stimulating our evolution as people as a person Toward being able to elicit the best from the human spirit now with that idea i'd like to break out a few concepts human spirit what does that mean eliciting the best what's that And evolution as a person the human spirit by this we need nothing supernatural we mean literally the animating vitality in a living being and that animating mentality can be loving or cruel, or high or low, sad or happy, creative or destructive. The human spirit is, assumes a common core to all human beings, a common core no matter what culture you're in, what religion you're in, or what century you live in, that there are certain capacities in us some of them are shared by other animals. Some of them are specialized or unique to us. These capacities are capacities because they're latent abilities. You have to claim them. You have to cultivate them in order to enjoy them. And I like to be very specific. We're talking about empathy, the ability to actually experience someone else, the ability to notice cause and effect, our humor. We may be the only species that actually sees the contradiction and laughs. Our use of tools, our use of symbols, reading and writing and numbers. Our imagination, our be able to see and hear inside of ourselves, our own memories, our own dreams. Imitation, our ability to learn and to follow. And innovation, our ability to learn and to create. We cooperate better than the bees. We're able to cooperate and yet we're able to individuate. We are able to reason We calculate We use logic, we can We are artistic Music, dance, art We are self-aware Our ability to self-reflect And also our ability to individuate Our own self Human beings also have a spiritual sense That is, we are invisibly connected to everything that's a sense that human beings can have we also have a moral sense we often don't agree about what's right and wrong but human beings do distinguish right from wrong we are able to love which means we're able to care about others beings not just ourselves and we're capable of feeling joy just about being alive so when we refer to the human spirit what we mean is this collection of capacities that can be cultivated, can be cultivated by each person, but we also mean the ideal of humanity if all of those greatest capacities could be fully claimed, the human spirit. Eliciting the best, eliciting the best certainly implies that you can elicit the worst, and of course that's true. It also indicates that humans are not something that's given. A human being is something that is elicited over time. We are always, from our birth to our death, whether we're aware of it or not, whether we're completely unconscious of it, our response to situations is shaping us, is forming us. When we face a loss, we collapse, or we cope, or we do something that makes ourselves stronger. When we're frustrated, we can have a tantrum. We can withdraw, I don't do frustration. Or we can take leadership, find a resolution. When we fail, we can lie, we can defend, blame, make excuses, or we can tell the truth. We can learn from it. We can laugh, we can cry, we can be happy, we can sad, and that's a choice. We can sing, but I'm sorry, I don't sing. We can trust our thoughts. We can trust our feelings, or we can only trust our thoughts and feelings when they align. These are choices that we make, knowingly or not. How we do respond, however, brings out that capacity in us. Human beings are capable of stimulating their own development. We do stimulate our own development, not only unintentionally by how we respond, but we can also do it intentionally because we do have that capacity for self-reflection. And we can notice cause and effect about ourselves. We can notice our choices and their consequences. And in every place in our life where we're stuck or miserable, it's because we're not noticing our choices and their consequences. We can not only notice the choice and consequences, we can decide and identify what we think is the best. And then we can intentionally act on what we value eliciting the best means that we stimulate our evolution as a person toward something that we value and that's not the only mission i mean many of us have quite a different mission many of us have a mission called let's get along or let's go along or let's take it easy or i want it my way those are all fundamental missions of what we're selecting another one Is called. I want to evolve towards a person who can claim, make happen what I truly value. That's eliciting that. Now, evolution as a person. Obviously, we all start naked. We're born naked. We're naked on the outside, but we're also naked on the inside. What we know, meaning our language, our history, our values, our skills, who we are, how we think the world works, all that comes from our families from our culture, and from our personal experiences. Everyone has some operating assumptions for their personality, some concept of reality that represents the context within which you are a part. Now, day to day, we may not be conscious of that. But that context is setting up our values and our understanding how the world works. To be conscious of that allows us to be intentional about our own development. Now, in early childhood, our world view, our operating assumptions just orbit around our parents. They seem to be the source of our survival, so I want to stay real close. But after a while, it extends to our front porch. Can you remember when reality extended to your front porch and beyond that there was some mysterious stuff? Parents disappeared in it sometime. Then it became perhaps the end of your street or your block. That was the end of the known universe. Now, eventually, it became an Earth that we pictured ourselves on. And that Earth was flat. And you didn't want to take long trips because you'd fall off. And then it became a wider world. Whatever our worldview is, it's within that internal world that we navigate. It gives us options to go places, do things, or it limits us now christianity has a sense of description of reality and reality has a heaven and an earth and a hell a before life and afterlife a supreme being an invisible force that one ought to align with ought to meaning that obedience brings good brings well-being the secular world also has a operating assumption about reality Here we live on a globe that goes around the Sun that sits in the Milky Way that stands in the universe The material environment is something that we must manage in order to bring our well-being and Cooperation and competition rather than pure obedience is the key to our well-being key behavior now both of these realities tend to be represented in a pyramidal fashion. Meaning that from the top or at the top, that is where life energy dwells and starts. Life energy, I mean fortune, fate, knowledge, success or failure, good feeling, wealth, power. For religious reality, God is at the top. And God is able from top down to bestow his goodwill. Then came enlightenment From enlightenment, there was a different assumption If there was a God, God was within That each individual was a creative being The pyramid still existed, but the job was to climb that pyramid So that in rising through that pyramid One would gain and get closer to wealth, into power, into pleasure It was about accumulating and climbing Well, this secular reality tends to say, not that we're all God's children and he will provide, but that we're strangers, among strangers. We're struggling to survive, and we all have that opportunity to use our talents. Well, the mind map of reality, the philosophy of ethical culture, is not pyramidal. It's, it's a different idea of how a human being evolves in the world we live in. The ethical society does acknowledge that there is an invisible connection that we are in fact connected in life to nature to each other and it is the quality of that connectedness that determines the quality of life it's not just the position we're in or the possessions that we have that makes for well-being it's how we relate to those people and that possession that makes us satisfied The ethical society map of reality is one that's organic and despite the apparent pyramid of social hierarchy with power and wealth at the top humanity exists in an interdependent web of existence with all nature with all beings where each person or each being plays a role in the whole and where our individual and collective well-being is determined by our Cultivate around us the good capacities which are in our nature when you think about the world whether you're looking at um, physics or chemistry or natural sciences the world seems in fact to be organized in an organic organic way in which each part of the whole has an essential role to play and its role is to elicit from the others such that there's a synergy so that the whole is greater than the sum of the parts success and happiness comes from our ability to create that kind of, that kind of uh, synergy. And the moment is pleasurable, and the result is pleasurable. And I believe every one of us, whether it's in a family, or in a work group, or in a friendship circle, or on a team, there is that moment when we're working together so well. And it is bliss. And it's the hope of having that happen occasionally that we marry, and we join communities, and we make friends to create that very, very synerg- special moment I know that I like watching sports, and my favorite thing about sports is finding that moment. And I love it when a team has done terrible and has changed coaches and suddenly is doing very well. And you see it. You see it. You, you see it, and, and, and not only Monday night, but you see it um, yesterday. And there were so many teams, California for one. There were 1-9 in nine last year, 3-0 and oh this year, new coach. And what does the coach bring you? The coach brings, and every player, if you listen to any sportscast, they'll tell you what the good coach brings. A new mood and a new system. What they're bringing is a new mood and a new system, a new interconnectedness. So the parts, the parts aren't different. They're the same losers that lost last year. But somehow, their synergy is such that they're a winning team. And it's that excitement, even for the fan, that we're looking for. Now... How do we stimulate our evolution as a person so that we create these organic relationships and blissful moments? Through the centuries in every age and culture, trial and error, a certain knowledge of how to create a good life has evolved. Principles like truth-telling and love and justice are noticed because they cultivate conditions that enhance human well-being. Meanwhile, deceit and cruelty and vengefulness lead to chaos and destruction now the gods of all the great religions are very different but everywhere god's laws are similar that's why ethical culture spells god with two o's recognizing that common ground. the power of values remains though the power of values is evident today in the behaviors, the ethical behaviors, that cause the failures in large businesses. And when terrorists claim a religious cause, we all, secular, religious together, hold them accountable to some common ground of ethical culture. The ethical society is founded on this common ground that's useful to both the secular and religious people. While ethical cultures don't worship a supreme being, we do seek supreme way of being. Dr. Felix Adler, founder of the Ethical Society, pointed out that God was created as a metaphor during a time when people had, didn't read or write, telling the story was the way we communicated. God was created as a metaphor depicting the capacity for good in the human spirit and conveying the power of ethical values in human affairs. But to regard God as a metaphor does not negate the reality of, does not negate what God represents. If all the images of a blindfolded woman holding a scale disappeared, even from our memory, justice would remain. And if a person does not believe in God, the capacity for good that God ideally represents remains. This ethical common ground has become especially important as religions clash, as people leave spiritual homes, and they are. In the United States and Europe, church attendance has been falling for the last half century and is down to about 30%. Newsweek reports that people who describe themselves as secularists outnumber religionists two to one. The world needs, I believe, a common ground of ethical values to unite people, show the purpose of religious communities, whether you're in a secular culture or a religious culture. Modern life right now, the most powerful exemplar of values is no longer religion. It's the media. The media presents a myriad of conflicting moral models as if each were equally good. In secular lifestyle, we live as strangers, among strangers. We barely know our neighbors, our co-workers, even our extended family. We lack community, religious communities. The purpose of them is to create that kind of personal support and participation that evolves in us values, ethical values. Human beings are communal species. We always have been, we are worldwide. It is only in the secular city model that we happen to be living in, where community, personal community, people you're going through life with is rare. But we need that. We need that personalization of relationships so that we can notice our behaviors, the consequences of our behaviors. We can experiment with behaviors by trial and error. That's how we evolve as people. When we are isolated, when we don't have ongoing permanent relationships, we don't get that learning experience. Now, ethical culture message is to respect the power of ethical values as Principles of behavior that are essential. And I mean essential, meaning that they have their effect on you whether you know it or not. Whatever you value determines who you are, it determines what you do in a situation, it determines your choices, it determines what kind of people you cultivate around you, what kind of world you're creating. It determines who you become. Being a value aware person requires first that you get clear about what do i value how do i want the world to be how do i want my life to be how do i want my family friends workplace to be i have to make it my intention to make my values more real happening in the world and relationships around me to do that it means taking on learning some skills to implement it skills which are very difficult and very rewarding our aim here at the ethical society is to have you recognize by your association here be reminded that you are an ethical agent in every single situation you are in you're voting as to how the world's going to turn out you're voting as the kind of culture that you're living in the personal social and political circumstances in our lives are opportunities they're opportunities for p- applying our values In everyday life situations there are certain moments to elicit the best from our families from our friends from our co-workers from our community there are very meaningful moments and depending how we respond to those moments is what determines who we are and what happens to our group you know I'm reminded of a Sunday morning where Estelle who was sitting here uh, was listening to our response period and People were talking about the evil of humanity and gave the example of the concentration camps. And she stood up and she said, I spent my adolescence in a concentration camp. And uh, all the cruelties that you talk about are true. But my experience was that those of us in the concentration camp went to great lengths, even risking life, to take care of and to be compassionate with each other. And so I came from my concentration adolescent experience." Thinking about the depth of compassion, the caring and kindness that is the essence of a human being, that they could be this way in such a horrible, cruel environment. It's not what people do to us; it's what we do in response that matters. Found that a profound statement. Fortunate for us, she's now writing a book on her upbringing with many such wise and wonderful experiences that she took from a horrible experience how do we know what these magical moments these meaningful moments are well it really starts with you just noticing what you like because there is a wonderful bliss that comes when relationships are going even for a split second the way we like it like wow you know Most couples just have to have a good moment two or three times a year to be a solid, (laughs) lifelong thing. It doesn't take much, they're wonderful. And vice versa, wherever you are, in a group, your work, your family, there are moments that you hate. Why am I in this? I hate it. it, makes my life miserable. Can't sleep at night, you wake up with it. And actually when you take apart the incident, they're very small usually, very small. What you hate, It's upsetting because it's it's, it's, it's violating your values. What you like is very pleasurable because it's validating your values and how the world works. Pause for a second. Do you even notice what you like and what you hate in relationships? Choose a relationship. Can you easily tick off, I hate this, I like this. Think about it a second. And to take for granted what I like, you know, that's how the world ought to be, right? Rather than affirming that value, making it stronger. When something I don't like, I don't want to deal with it, I don't like. You know, I like to trivialize, eh, that's not important. Or I want to back away from it. Of course, there's another response. I know that some of us, hardly ever me, but some of us, <laughs> We'll find something wrong, and we love it. Hey, that's your fault. You messed up. Ah, You did it again, huh? Make wrong. Find fault. And sometimes, in situations what we can respond with the attitude of, like, I'm better. I don't do that. I'm better. For me, a major turnaround came in a moment of time when I was belonging to a professional association that messed up almost all the time and i whined and i complained about how they acted incompetently until a friend of mine who was tired of hearing me say that they're not acting don (laughs) and if you have something to contribute to this it's not feeling superior having a tantrum or whining it's helping Fix it. Helping do something about the competence. Well, that's a very different place to come from when you find something that you value or hate, that you are responsible for making it better. It requires knowing what your core values are. It requires noticing what you hate and what you like. It also, therefore, requires that you know what to do when you notice what you value, what you hate, and what you like. And not knowing what to do makes us like, I don't know, I don't do that. When I'm talking about a core list, you know, uh, one of the things that Mary and I have liked to do over the years is when people join very often, we sometimes have these gatherings and we ask people like, okay, you just joined something called an ethical study. And that's pretty pretentious. I mean, mean, what makes this group of people ethical? I, I always tell them that we're learning. But... We ask them to say, okay, if there were such a thing as an ethical community of people who really were ethical, what would they be like? And so we generate these lists, and I love keeping those. I have years and years and years worth of those lists. But I'll tell you, they, all, they pretty much always cover these bases. You all want to come up, and check it out for yourself, you want a culture where there's freedom, there's equality, there's honesty, there's love, there's fairness, there's integrity, forgiveness, responsibility, generosity, gratitude, courage, peace, hope, joy... Pretty obvious, right? Those would be nice. But is it so obvious in the sense that do we really work for those things in all of our relationships? I mean, just think about intuitively what does it feel like not to be in that world? What does it feel like to have not freedom and not being treated as an equal and people being dishonest with you and unloving, cruel, unfair to you, unforgiving, irresponsible, stingy, not grateful, cowardly, Troublemaking, hopeless, joyless. Who wants to be there, right? So it gets very, very simple what it is that we're trying to create. We're trying to create heaven and avoid hell in all our relationships. Isn't that true? Let's take some of those moments in time that have to do with values. I'll pick out a few. Let's start with truthfulness. Now... If you remember kids, and maybe some of us who are not kids, the very first response to being confronted with telling the truth is to tell a good lie. I mean, lying allows you to defend yourself, to make excuses for yourself, to blame somebody else, and you're out of there clean. The problem is not so clean. I mean, people pick up after a while that you are not telling the truth they discount you they don't believe you you got to remember all those lies which is confusing sneaking is a higher level form of telling the truth you just don't get caught you don't have to lie (laughs) you guys have tried these right (laughs) well sneaking has its risks too so we usually develop the higher skill of manipulation That's telling people what they want to hear So you get what you want anyway Then of course it goes to the next level In which the truthfulness comes out as um, Or lack of it as ingenuine Meaning you're always trying to be What you think other people want you to be Rather than who you happen to be And you have to live with that ingenuineness Of not knowing who you are because I'm who you want me to be and I'm who you want me to be and then of course we go to unconscious I I don't know what the truth is, I don't even think about it it's a safe position, feels safe at least knowing the truth is very much respecting and liking the question what is the truth and if you ask yourself in any situation particularly an upsetting conflicting one where other people have different views, what is the truth, what you'll discover is that you have an answer. You'll have a something that you think, I really think, this is the truth. Now, is it the truth? Who knows? It may be, maybe not. When you hear the other person's truth, you'll add in the variables and you may ask yourself the question again and you say, what is the truth? And the truth may change. But what you always do know is what you think is the truth. And that's all you have. That's what needs to be represented. If you don't do that, what you're doing is that you are misrepresenting reality. You are in a self-delusion. No. You believe your self-image is who you really are and feel miserable that you can't be ideal. Not living in delusion allows you to really get your feet and your power on the ground I can tell the truth best I know it I can live with the consequences of the truth then you feel like a powerful genuine person but that's so much easier said than done. as you try to elicit toward the best and you try to tell the truth you know what you get you get conflict you get trouble you get people mad at you because all of the values are somehow connected you cannot tell the truth unless you know how to do it with kindness and fairness you know, if I come up with the truth and the truth is unkind and unfair, I gotta say, whoa, wait a minute. I think I got some internal work to do before I can say this is the truth. Kindness, there are moments in time in our relationships where kindness becomes the most important skill to be mastered. And just recognizing it's important, kindness means kinness. It means we are the same. Kindness evolves from our ability to empathize with another person. It ranges from civility to compassion all the way to love. Now, civility is what binds us together in a civilization. To be able to be civil is an act that we have to master. When, not, it's not just civil when um, uh, we are with people and they're all being congenial. That's called being polite. To be civil means that when people are yelling and crying and moping and causing trouble, that is civil when you can respond to that with kindness. And I want to be real clear here as a community that the first real test of membership is whether we can be civil to each other. You know, a lot of people see a community that supports each other through life and we accept you and all of that as like, good, I can bring my worst behavior that I wouldn't do at work and get fired and I can bring it here. Please do that. But only do that as a lesson to your own civility. The goal here is for us to be Civil with one another, and we cannot tell the truth to each other if we have the habit of telling it harshly with cruelty without the sense. What we need to sense is to recognize your sin, your mistake is my mistake. We are together on this, we are learning this, and there has to be that kinship. Let me mention fairness. Fairness goes from a sense of equality, we're equals, to a sense of freedom, to a sense of self determination. Do we treat each person's position as if it were our own? The definition of fairness is imagining that life is a a, a card game where the the deck has been dealt and you don't know where you're going to sit. Would you be willing to be the victim, the criminal, the judge, the policeman? Would you be willing to be the wealthy one, the poor one? Would you be willing to be anywhere at the table? Is this group fair to everybody, wherever? Their life situation is now all of these at the same time you have to hold the reality that this i believe is the truth and it might not be you have to hold the reality this is who i am but i'm experiencing for a moment what it's like from your perspective that's necessary for kindness it's necessary for, for fairness when you're capable of doing this telling the truth being kind being fair in situations you become a person truthful and kind and fair and better still you get to live in a culture in which people are kind and fair and tr- honest with each other that's how we create it now another mastery that's important is the mastery of integrity integration to be able to integrate our thoughts and our feelings and our will my thought says I ought to do some great public service of participation is what I need for my life but my feeling is I for ice cream <laughs> My will needs to align those and integrity also means that we are somewhat different people when we're at work and we're at family when we're with friends and to each of those in each of those environment we make promises we make agreements are we the same person Do we, are we integrated in the same person so that we can remember that i already made a commitment to you in that time and that it's not available that kind of integration is necessary if we're going to master living by values Finally, I just want to mention forgiveness, you know uh, People make mistakes And then sometimes we make mistakes by mistakes, but sometimes we hurt people intentionally Seemed like a good idea at the time And sometimes we get hurt Learning to forgive is necessary Or you carry with you always all that hurt all the fear all the anger But if you forgive and don't get amends for the Something that happened to you You always remain hurt at a loss victimized Amends needs to be made If you forgive Without fixing it, that only means it's gonna happen to you again probably by the same from the same person Over and over again. I'm sorry. Oh, I did it again. I'm sorry. Oh, I did it again There is something to forgiveness it's a process, it's something to be mastered Knowing how To make sure all the elements of genuine forgiveness Is there and it really works And if you're going to go Into the world, attempting to be an ethical agent To make more value Intentional in your life and your things You've got to know how to handle forgiveness Because there'll be people, including yourself Who are going to get hurt and it needs to be healed These kinds of values that I've ended by Giving examples of are what we're going to do from this platform every single sunday it's what we are focusing on in our life words classes next week we're talking about community our theme is going to focus on what is the benefits what are the dynamics that makes a community a particularly good community the following week we're going to be talking about vitality you know all we really have in life is our vitality that's all there is it's all we have to give it's all we are but how do you keep it how do you keep your vitality and then this october first week of october we'll be talking about ethical agency how do you take seriously this role of being a leader in every situation you're in how do you prepare yourself for doing that we're a community definitely going through life together but we're going through life learning to elicit the best in the human spirit that's our mission and that's our message we are almost the only people who actually express a faith in humanity we're very rare faith in humanity is not even an option for most people most people lack the education the opportunity you know half our species today um and historically the vast majority of all people who ever lived never realized their Capacity, the capacities in human spheres. They couldn't possibly claim them. They couldn't develop. They didn't know they were there. But a second reason why faith in humanity is so rare is something we all of us have to notice every day. The human flaws are so obvious. Examples of incompetence, corruption, cruelty, in our personal life, political life. Therefore, very few people make that audacious leap from humanity as it is to humanity as it can be. Our faith here is in the capacity for good. We believe it's natural in the human spirit. But like reading and writing, all human talents, the capacity for good must be cultivated. Our mission is to elicit the spiritual strengths in ourselves by learning to cultivate the best in the people around us. Now, I'm very excited to be starting this season. I look very much forward in a few minutes to hearing your thoughts about... Um, what it is, the message and the mission of Ethical Society, and Bon voyage. Great season ahead.